The Production Expert Podcast with Mike Thornton, Julian Rogers, and Dan Cooper. Welcome to the Production Expert Podcast number 406. It's February the 12th, 2020. My name's Mike Thornton. I'm Julian Rogers. And I'm Dan Cooper. So we've got some great deals at the moment on Deals page from the likes of New Gen Audio, Sound Particles, Editors Keys, Focusrite, RSPE, and Avid. So check those out. And by the time you listen to this, there may be others as well. So we'll move swiftly on to our talking points. And these are sponsored by Arturia. Hello, experts and listeners. Pro Tools Expert Talking Points is brought to you with the support of Arturia. Arturia has a wide selection of software effects, including three compressors, three filters, three preamps, and three delays you'll actually use. The latest release, three delays you'll actually use, includes delay tape, delay memory brigades, and the unique and experimental delay Eternity. A bundle of selected effects called the AudioFuse Creative Suite is included with AudioFuse and audio interfaces. Follow the link in the podcast article or visit arturio.com to find out more on the effects you'll actually use. Okay, first talking point. Um, Going to take a look. We've had a number of articles recently on the site uh, looking at different elements of the new Apple uh, I can't call it cheese grater because it doesn't delineate between the old one and the new one, but the new Mac Pro, shall we say, uh, 2019 Mac Pro. And we've been taking a look at a number of uh, examples where users are already using it for Pro Tools HDX. And we've also taken a look at it ourselves with our uh, own Pro Tools Expert uh, power test session, uh, courtesy of... Uh, Jigsaw. Uh, James was able to do some tests both in native mode and in HDX mode. And if you line those up to the results that we as a team, for instance, have got from our respective machines, um, the interesting thing is that for some users, and I do stress some, not all users, what is interesting is the very computer Pro Tools HDX users have been screaming for, as in a new Mac with PCIe slots, which we never thought was ever going to happen ever, ever again, but no. did. Um, the interesting thing is, depending on what you want to do, for some people, this computer, which has PCIe slots, may be the very computer that means you will no longer need HDX, which is kind of a bit of a... <laughs> a handful to sort of get your head round. Um, but we're also seeing lots of examples. We've we've had various uh, articles uh, looking at uh, users who are already using the Mac Pro, which, again, I should need to stress at this point in time is still not approved with Pro Tools by Avid. Uh, Mac OS Catalina is approved uh, with some limitations for video file format support. But the Mac Pro is not yet supported by Avid, even though uh, we saw it when the Mac Pro was launched back in June. We saw it with half a dozen HDX cards, which also kind of implies that Pro Tools will 
be supporting more than three HDX cards at some point. Um, anyway, lots to talk about. Uh, I'll stop the monologue, otherwise I'll just tell the whole story and that'll be there. <laughs> been going on long enough. So um, what do we think about this new Mac Pro? Um, good for what? Not good for what? Um, All right. And I'm going to jump in because uh, go. just because uh, I'm well, I'll go now because my voice might not hold up. I've been uh, <laughs> you might hear that my timbre is slightly different today. I've been a little bit poorly, but uh, I, I've there's the same stuff going around on this has been going around for a little while. If um, there are some people who are outraged that Apple dare sell a computer that's um, that's you know priced towards the top end. Honestly, I mean, the, the, I, I'm I don't pay too much attention to these things. No one's going to come around your house and make you buy one. So, you know, uh, there you go. Um, in terms of the job they've done, there is a massive irony trying to fight its way out of this whole situation to do with the provision of PCI slots in a rip snorting computer. That's so fast, there isn't really a great deal of application for those those uh, well, certainly for the HDX cards that people wanted to find a new home for. But you know, if you're heavily invested in HDX then, you know, this is probably actually a really comfortable way to do things just because the last thing we like is is hard discontinue... Dis, I'm, I'm, I'm going to back out of that. I can't even pronounce that word. Um, uh, a hard stop on our current kind of like hardware and having to make a big jump onto something new and untested. Loads of people are saying, hey, you don't need HDX anymore. Some people have got HDX and are using it at the moment and don't necessarily want to suddenly stop and find out whether or not that's true for what they do in their particular world. So if you've got deep pockets or if you can justify the expense, and if you can't, move along. There's cheap ways of doing this stuff. And this is a really powerful computer. And you know, a lot of the people, I think, who have got opinions on these aren't in the market for that level of investment anyway. But yes. if it is if it is pertinent to you specifically, and you've already got you know, maybe two or three HDX cards, then there's an awful lot of stuff that you've got. To, you're going to have to kind of work your way through. Dan, you've certainly got kind of like a, a parallel to this story in terms of kind of like it's not as simple as just saying, "Hey, I'm just going to change my engine over over to native and take it from there." Even if you're, you know, in your case, you're maybe not necessarily talking about just the Pro Tools playback engine. But anyway, I'll leave that to you. What I'm saying is that if you can pension off your ancient uh, old-fashioned cheese grater, I mean, we're, we're going to have to keep working with it, with these terms, um, uh, that is you know, perhaps either either falling over, failing, or just not up to the job anymore, and put it into something that's in which you have overcapacity. I mean, it's of all the problems to have in the world, having too much computer power is, you know, something we can probably cope with quite easily. But having to change nothing at all and just have somewhere to put your HDX cards, you can keep all of your hardware, everything that's connected to your hardware exactly the same, put these in, there you go, uh, and, and you're good to go. And then you can find out whether over time, actually you can migrate away from HDX without having to have this hard stop, this hard change between I've got a new computer and I've got to iron out all of the problems and all of the issues that I might have changing my my hardware and my I.O. and everything all in a single operation along with my new computer. You don't have to. You don't have to at all. And if you no longer need your HDX, then you can crossfade. And that's the best way to make any change is mm. to gradually <laughs> start using something less and less as you find you need it less and less. That's ideal. There is the money thing. 
if you don't have the money, then you don't have the money. But, you know, it's yeah, you can't afford it or you don't want to afford it, actually. And, you know, no, that's you, fair you enough. It's, it's, it's up to every individual to make their own judgment about whether or not something's worth the money that's charged for it. But if... If nobody bought the computer, then absolutely there'd be an issue. But people are going to buy it, so, you know. People are already buying it. Mm, absolutely. Um, well, that's, that's think, a bit from me, and my voice held yeah. up for that, so, you know, I'm gonna- good. <laughs> I, I think, I mean, obviously, coming back to the price point, um, yes, it starts at $6,000, and typically, as we've shown on the site, most a, a useful machine in our environment is going to set you, around, set you back around $10,000. Um, you don't need to go for the all singing, all dancing, fill it with everything it can possibly do, etc. which, yes, comes out at sort of 50-odd thousand dollars. But for what we do, a modest version is, you know, going to set you back, yeah, $10,000, which, again, may be more than you are prepared to pay, and we'll come back to that um, uh, solution or options uh, presently. But... I think the other thing that we need to bear in mind with this with this uh, whole debate is the needs in our industry are changing as well. So, for instance, I mean, if you're working in stereo, mono stereo 5.1, this isn't going to be an issue for you. But for anybody working in Dolby Atmos, and that doesn't just mean big post houses doing mega blockbuster film productions, with Netflix now producing more and more content in in Dolby Atmos um, home entertainment, uh, with which of course means that most of the OTT uh, providers, like uh, as well as Netflix, you've got uh, Amazon Prime and so- Disney, Disney Plus, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, there is a huge amount of post-production TV, effectively post-production work being done in Atmos. You then add into the equation the whole thing with uh, music production in Dolby Atmos, with both Universal Music and Warner Brothers working very hard to uh, work both on their back catalogue and also new productions in Dolby Atmos for music production. And you have a lot of people who are wanting to use Dolby Atmos. Now, why is Dolby Atmos a turning point in this situation? It has to do with both the number of beds and, more importantly, the number of objects, all of which need I.O. on your interfaces. So it is very, very easy to need an awful lot of I.O. So something in the order of 64, 128... Uh, I mean, 128 channels of I.O. is not unreasonable with a Dolby Atmos production. So, because you may well need stems, so sort of bed tracks, as they're called in in Dolby Atmos workflow, 7.1.2. So that's 10 outputs each time you do it. So if you've got a dialogue stem, you've got a Foley stem, you've got a a effect stem, etc., those numbers already go up. If you've got something like 128, odd um, objects because the objects are managed outside of Pro Tools you need effectively a direct out from each of those tracks which goes into the Dolby Atmos renderer you suddenly need an awful lot of I.O. and with the Pro Tools architecture as it is currently designed 
The only way to get that amount of I.O. is to go down the HDX route. You can obviously do HD native, but essentially that's 64 channels of I.O. So for smaller music productions in Dolby Atmos, that's probably going to work. But if you need, if you're doing any form of TV stroke film production work, or you want to use a lot of objects in a Dolby Atmos mix, which quite a few people are doing, um, check out the video we've done on the site uh, that we've published on the site with the likes of Steve Jenowick, who really has been a, a real trailblazer in this whole area of Dolby Atmos music production. Um, and a good number of people are using mainly objects. So every single element in a mix is an object. So you again, you soon clock up the number of objects you need, and therefore the number of channels of I/O. So, Mike, just just to clarify for a minute, I've, I'm better on this than I was largely through talking to Steve about it. But um, uh, so your channel outputs, your ten outputs, are pretty much mandatory for yeah. Your first bed, your seven one two bed, and then everything after that, you can have up to one hundred twenty eight objects um this is what i mean it seems it strikes me as if it's kind of caused something of a sort of uh, well it's it's actually 100 it's one one seven one seven point one point two bed and then 118 objects you're essentially dealing with 128 oh that's, that's it 128 in total. Guide. yes absolutely yeah. okay yeah <laughs> glad i glad i asked um uh, but that's up to a maximum of so it's yeah. it just depends how many you're putting together but each one of those objects needs a discrete channel of io to Correct. a renderer to yes. then be rendered to make something that's a appropriate to the number of channels you have on your uh, on your indeed because in dolby atmos that thing let's let's let you know let's call it a you know a sound effect or or, or a kick drum or whatever if you're moving that around the uh, immersive soundscape that panning etc is not done within the pro tools mixer it's Effect, although you're controlling a plugin within Pro Tools, it is the metadata is being shipped out to tell the playback system how to handle that mono track, that that piece of mono audio and object, and where to put it on the replay system, which of course may be a completely different speaker configuration to yours. And again, that's the whole object pardon the pun yeah uh, of dolby atmos the the channel agnostic part of it yeah brilliant well yeah the, the playback agnostic so do, you can play it back on on speakers with, on a system which has more speakers it has less speakers all the way down to binaural and bring it back to the original the original point so who needs all of this power those people do just because anyone who's ever done any Correct. surround work quickly realizes that all of those let's say voices you thought you had all those uh suddenly start to disappear when everything gets multiplied by you know five or whatever yeah. it might be well extrapolating upwards to to atmos things get much, the, much busier. i'd say the new mac pro would actually probably will most likely be one of the cheapest part in a new setup of atmos there are other costs, it's true. Can, yeah, it depends. Massive see, costs, you know. Think of you need well, a room as well. You'd need all the, the, uh, the speakers. You'd the monitor speakers, having having just... S6, in, probably. <laughs> no, not, not necessarily. I mean, to be fair, not necessarily. I mean, the S1 combination uh, actually is a very good... It, 
if you have three or four, you know, up to four, which is the maximum S ones and a and a dock. So that's, that's six grand spending, there, isn't it? Nearly? Yeah, but that's nothing like the fifty grand that a, an S six might set you back. But I mean, yes, you are right. Let, let's put control surface to one side for a moment. Um, you are looking at quite a bit of 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 hardware in terms of a monitor rig because instead of maybe having two or in the case of a five one system you're talking about five speakers uh, and a uh, an lfe a sub um you're now looking at potentially 10 or more um so you are increasing that cost the the good thing is that the dolby atmos production suite which is a 300 uh software purchase providing your um whoever you're working for doesn't require you to work in a Dolby Atmos approved mix suite, a Dolby approved mix suite, then that's all you need in terms of additional software. So if you want to do anything yeah, in this sort of nature, it's only going to get more and more expensive. Um, but, but yeah, you can do Dolby Atmos uh, quite cost effectively as long as your end user your your provider doesn't require you to work in a dolby atmos approved suite because you can just use the dolby atmos production suite the next level up which some providers require is the dolby atmos mastering suite which effectively means you put the software renderer in a separate computer uh, so that bumps the price up because you've got to buy a computer plus various other bits and pieces. But actually, the entry point Dolby Atmos doesn't have to be ridiculously expensive. And I think that's really good news, especially for creatives who want to actually start writing music for Dolby Atmos format rather than us going back into a, a Pro Tool session and effectively remixing it. There's, there's, um, there's something of the same uh, philosophy here of like the same people who are saying you should record all of your music in 192 yeah. because why wouldn't you do it in the highest resolution possible format even if there's no channel for that at the moment. And that's fair enough if you're prepared to put up with some of the consequences of doing that. Fair enough. I'm not going to criticise anyone for doing that. But in the same way, in that case, doesn't it make sense to create music in Atmos, even if there's only a channel at the moment? Well, with a couple of exceptions for uh, for, for stereo only delivery, but it's there, ready to to happen when it's um, when and well. I think it's when it. I was going to say it, when and if, but it strikes me as if there's so much kind of momentum and support industry support behind this. Yes, there is. There's actually something I wanted to ask about this, which is that um, you were talking about cost of entry into Atmos. We've gone slightly away from the Mac Pro, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> just a bit. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. But I, I think we've, we're kind of really getting on something here of just the fact that um, in, if you're looking at demand for some kind of serious power machine, then you, you have to mention Atmos at the moment. Hmm. Um, but uh, we, we were talking about uh, Tidal. Who are, Indeed. who are offering Atmos content on Android devices at the moment. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there was a comment that I, I saw in response to that that I'd, I'd, I left, actually. I mean, I'd, I did know the answer, but I thought, okay, you know, um, I'll leave it for someone else. And it was somebody saying, how does this work? If you're just going to plug in your headphones into this, how are you possibly going to get Atmos? Yeah, I, I thought much I, the same I, thing. You you left it. I jumped for. I, I you, afraid of okay, you, 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 <laughs> I dived you in. Went okay. Well, I mean, I remembered. I remember um, asking Steve about this uh, and saying, "How how does that work?" And he was saying, "It's fine. It's just a checkbox in in the atmosphere of like if you want a binaural version, 
Um, it's, yeah. it's, it's really not a great deal of extra work, which led me to think uh, on, on the, the same thing of thinking, well, in that case, if you can render to binaural, can you monitor in binaural? Can you, not necessarily to do meaningful work, but to experiment um, or just to, to get by um, if you need to work on headphones, uh, can you work in Atmos via headphones? Yes, is the answer to that. Fantastic. And, and what's more, uh, you can... For instance, at the moment, I've got a 5.1 monitoring system. What I could do is to work on a project with all the necessary 7.1.2 bed tracks and all that, um, and I can actually tell the Dolby Atmos rent software renderer in, say, Dolby Atmos production suite, tell it that I have a 5.1 monitoring system, and it will basically produce a down mix, for want of a better word, of my whole Atmos production into 5.1. Now, obviously, I have no height channels, mm. so that that's sort of folded down into wherever it, the, the the Dolby sort of down mix algorithm considers it best to be. And I think at the moment that the, the ceiling channels, the height channels, are, are getting down mixed into the rears, which is a, a debate we will not enter into at this point because I'm also conscious that we're getting way off subject. But yes, essentially the key thing is, and that's one of the selling points, is you actually can do a lot of pre-production work in Dolby Atmos without having a Dolby Atmos monitoring so system. So with serious caveats, and obviously that's really serious, serious caveats, the price of entry, if you have Pro Tools Ultimate already, into Dolby Atmos is the price of two hundred ninety nine dollars and and a, and a pair of headphones and obviously the stuff yeah. that you really can't do with just that but you can get in there and have a look and find out if it's something that you were interested in investing some cash in you don't have to drop money correct okay excellent but okay coming back to the Mac Pro I think one of the, the so that's my point is is what our what our experiment our tests showed is that for some people who just need lots and lots and lots of plugins actually that because you remember hdx had two main selling points one was lots more io because pro tools software on its own without any avid hardware you are limited to 32 channels of io you've got to go to either pro tools hd native or pro tools ultimate to get more than 32 channels of io so um if you need lots of I.O., you have to go down the HD native stroke HDX route. But the other selling point, and I would argue it's much less of a selling point now, the other selling point for HDX was real-time, zero latency, in inverted commas, monitoring of plugins uh, using AX DSP. I think Dan can talk to this because this is... And that's is... what sold it to me all those years yes, ago. That's exactly. what sold it and to me. And me as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was tracking bands quite a bit around about the time I invested in HDX. Just before I did get my HDX system, for about six months, I was checking the um, secondhand market for HD systems. Yeah. So there were quite a few about and they were good money, um, but good value. Yeah. And I almost pulled the trigger on an HD system. I think it was HD2 system for... A couple of grands mm. of an IO. I thought that's fairly reasonable. Thank God I didn't, because a week later, 
<laughs> HDX was announced, and yes, then I you, placed my order, and you know we've, yes, we've spoken you, about this before. We we discussed you and I whether who had serial number 001 and who had serial number 002. And uh, yes. how apt is that? <laughs> 002 and 001. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Unfortunately, I think I'm responsible for an institutional per- purchase. Thankfully, of buying pretty much the last TDM system to go out of the doors, and it arrived. I think it arrived after the HDX announcements had, had happened, and I went, oh. Oh, see, I almost landed there myself. But no, HDX, I went for it. I was tracking bands. I was working with a lot of songwriters, very much in the box. My workflow has been over the years. I didn't have Teglers back then, drink, for those that know the rules here. (laughs) Um, Very much in the box. And I liked using, oh, I like using plugins, but my system before that, I couldn't really do things like add a bit of compression and EQ on the way in. I like that workflow and I got that with HDX. And yeah, it cost a, a small fortune at the time. But... It, it's, but at the time, it was the, time. the only way to do things and have a clean, smooth workflow. Well, again, well, no, uh, but not thing. anymore. No, no, no. But at the time, we were pre-Pro Tools 11. And yeah. that, as we all remember, Pro Tools users of, of uh, 10 plus years will know that the application being a 32-bit application mm. wasn't strong enough to run many plugins you know if you've got some good ssl wave stuff on there and other bits and bobs all native the computer would or pro tools and the computers together would go oh i can't do this so hdx Correct. for me was to go okay i can run loads of plugins in the dsp world like hd before that and yeah. not worry about this 32-bit you know frustration it well, was then, an- if because essentially with that that what how that manifested itself was in the the fact that pro tools could only asset uh, only access about three gigs of your ram didn't matter how much ram you had because of 32-bit infrastructure uh, 32-bit as in software not in audio sampling um three gig of ram so yeah you're absolutely right Uh, so and vis were yeah (laughs) ha ha yeah 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 very much so that was the reason for me going hdx then obviously pro tools 11 came out and that that cleared things up a bit more of the 64-bit and moving forward now a few more years and computers have got faster i've i've stayed on the old mac pro cheese grater tower for nearly 13 years now um i've had three of them and now i'm looking at windows because we've waited for so many years of the news of the new mac pro and i didn't want to buy anything until i could really weigh up my options what is this new machine will i be able to afford it will it do what i need it to do now Yes to two of those. It's brilliant by the looks of it. It looks very powerful. It would fit my workflow, but unfortunately it is completely out of my budget. Yeah. Um, I just don't see a good RO, uh, sorry, return on investment on this at all for me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I no, absolutely. It, um, but no, I, I've thought with my head, uh, not with my heart, and mm. it's a very uh, clear decision to not move forward with Mac Pros anymore. And and again, for a lot of applications, and I suspect this may well be in your situation, with Thunderbolt 3, yes. we now have another way of interfacing to the computer with a huge amount of bandwidth. Absolutely. It's the main which reason we why didn't I've have switched before. Yeah, that's why I've, I've moved off the Mac Pro or moving off my new machine should be here too. It's a, win- a Windows machine. Is Thunderbolt 3. So you're going to go Thunderbolt 3. Yes. You're also taking the 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 choice to move DAW as well. Yeah, that's that's um very much the case. I have been transitioning from Pro Tools to Studio One. 
Um, still using Pro Tools in, let's say, videos for production expert because I've got a lot of content I've recorded over the years in studio in Pro Tools that I just haven't got the time to move over to Studio One for that purpose. But anything new, uh, song-wise, it's starting and finishing in Studio One. So that that's my switch, if you know what I mean. Still got feet I- in both camp, but <clears throat> Studio One's my daily driver now. So what about latency? Because obviously, as we talked about, one of the advantages of the Pro Tools HDX, and H, well, less so HD Native, but certainly HDX, was the zero latency. How are you finding latency in a non-HDX world? What latency? Let's put it that way. So at the minute, I've got the Focusrite Claret. That's USB 3 into this machine uh, in my old Mac Pro because I've got one of those cards in the back. And I'm again just to my opening statement there. What latency? I don't feel okay. it. I don't so hear it. You're not. You're just not aware of it. So presumably so, you're running at something what thirty-two bit. Yeah, uh, 32, thirty-two samples. Samples. Thank yes. you. Thirty-two samples, uh, and I don't. And it's just it. not an issue. Not an issue. And, and that and that's self-performing as well, isn't it? Self- so you, oh, yeah. yeah, because yeah. that's that's usually the actually the, for me is the is the ultimate test is when when it's you doing it. Um, the ultimate test is when you're recording drums and you're the one recording and playing yeah. the drums. That, for me, yeah. is when you can feel that there's a little problem because um, you can kind of get away when you're recording acoustic guitars, I think, a little bit. It's just me, my my style, how I've picked things up over the years. But drums, if there's a problem latency-wise, it's really hard to keep a groove. So, yeah, yeah um, I'm going to swap to a different interface moving forward because I do really need to integrate my... Tegla stuff, and that's going to be with the Quantum forty eight forty eight. Of course, when I get the well, PC yeah, I mean that that's a no brainer with no with, uh, with Studio One because absolutely. <laughs> but it will work Pro Tools, so if but I do yes, need to absolutely jump back into an older session. But yeah. back to my original point, you know, um, I, I've, the big statement, and as I said this to my wife, uh, who knows me and my gear down here quite well, I knew Mike as well. Um, the the realization that uh, that I won't be a Mac Pro user anymore. I mean, that did take me back but I'm actually okay with it. You know, to walk into a studio and not see a big silver box with an apple on the side of it. Um, in my yeah, we studio, can fix the silver box, oh, yeah. but it would just have to be a sticker if it was <laughs> to put the apple on the side of it. Yeah, You know, there's so many people out there. That, yeah. Obviously, it's half and half. Um, half people are going, oh, well done, mate. Nice one. I'm on Windows. It's wicked. And there's another half going, you're a traitor. We <laughs> go, no, I'm yeah. brave. It's, yeah. <laughs> I'm not, you know... It's it's my choice at the end of this, the day. Yeah, the, ultimately this is this is about the right tool for the job. It's not whether it's a Windows machine or a Mac machine, because you know historically, uh, back in the day, everybody take a drink. Um, Macs were a lot more media audio friendly. That is no longer the case. Hasn't been for quite a long time. So now you choose what is right for you. Uh, it's a computer at the end of the day. Exactly. That is exactly. it. Don't, no, it's not Mac and Windows, or sorry, Mac no. versus Windows. They are both computers. And yeah. it needs to get me from A to B every single working day. Um, and I've invested in a machine that I believe will get me the next five years covered. Perfect. Um, for £3,000. And I just wasn't prepared to spend over double or potentially triple that over mm. the next five years. As I said, I think that's a poor return on investment yeah. for me. For for what you need and yeah. for the situation that you're in. And that and and, and I think, we, I mean, Julian, where are you on whether a Mac Pro might be a, 
an investment for you in the future? Oh, absolutely no prospect at the moment. But this is just, it's about what work you do at the moment. Um, I, I'm thinking of the, uh, there was uh, uh, an amusing graphic that uh, that Russ put up on, on Facebook uh, over the weekend with the with the time, money, and energy. Oh yes, uh, as well as for the different. Yeah, 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 with with uh, yeah, young adult and uh, and um, yeah, and and old. Uh, and yeah, I'm I'm very aware of the fact that the thing I have least of at the moment is time, and this is why uh, this is why I'm I'm much more interested in in just the short term impact of uh, of uh, any kind of uh, transition onto some new platform the impact of that than you know a, a not outrageous price difference i mean obviously everything has a limit but i mean yeah, last year i um i uh, updated my extremely you know on its last legs computer which which really you know uh, i don't think anyone would pretend was it was uh, was cutting the mustard anymore, but I was getting by with it, which is kind of mm. really important. Um, to one of the new Mac Minis, uh, and I ran—I hadn't run the uh, the power test on it. And I mean, some people have criticised the power test, are going, "Oh, this is this is all really old." And it's going, "Yes, that's the whole point. We've been using it mm. for a very long time, and this is why we're 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 continuing to use it." It's a benchmark. Yeah, absolutely. It is, it is it's a benchmark. Why abandon the data set that we've got going back quite a way? And that's, yeah. this is the point of it. And yes, there are. If you were to design a new test today, you could do something that's more relevant, but that's missing the point. Anyway. Um, I'd never run it before because I wasn't really that interested, actually. I mean, you don't need to measure this stuff. I was just using it, and I was going, well, this mm. is fine, and I'm not having to wait for my computer, so I don't care how fast it is in terms of numbers. It's fast enough, and that's the only thing that matters. But I ran it, and I was quite impressed by the results, which I don't remember off the top of my head, but you know, they, um, but uh, it was it was better than I expected and certainly better than I need for what I'm doing at the moment. I only work in stereo. Um, some of my sessions get kind of you know moderately large, but they certainly don't get big. Um, there's a certain amount of kind of you know I mean I've I've never understood conversations between people saying oh how many tracks is your average session and people saying oh you know it'd be oh, like a hundred yeah. tracks or whatever <laughs> and I'm going yeah but what are you actually doing with those tracks? Just because, you know, I mean, I've seen so many people waste tracks <laughs> in a way that if you've had restrictions uh, in the past and you've you been up against the maximum, like you can that. work yeah. around it, you know? <laughs> you can absolutely squeeze 100 tracks down onto 30 if you try. Mm. But um, uh, anyway, uh, the stuff that I'm doing really isn't straining my machine. The What I did do the other day was some, somewhere I hadn't been before was doing some 4K video uh, on this machine. And I, I really didn't know how that would go. I just just because it was new. Actually, it was fine, absolutely fine. The bottleneck, if there is one on the uh, on the Mac Minis, what, what do I mean? If there is one, of course there is one. Uh, is is the graphics performance? The graphics in the Mac Minis is the Intel UHD Graphics Six Hundred and Thirty, which frankly doesn't yeah. mean a great deal to me. But the point is, it's not a rip snorting amazing, uh, amazing graphics card like I might be able to fit in something that had uh, PCI slots. Uh, mm. But you know, I mean, ultimately, if it came to it, I'd get an eGPU. Well, that's it because because with Thunderbolt three, you've got the bandwidth to actually put the graphics card outside of the it computer. Becomes, it becomes a bit of a nonsense with the correct hardware being available, or even not actually with chassis. But who's saying you haven't got any PCI slots and you've got access to the PCI bus? So yes, you know, and it all sorts. Of, but anyway, like I say, if it was a real problem, I I I wouldn't get a Mac Pro. Um, I'd just get an eGPU because that's the thing I think I'd run out of first. 
Yeah. Returning back to our earlier conversation, if I were to be doing Atmos work, which is something I'd love to play with, but I would only be playing with it. And because I'm only playing with it, that doesn't mean I'm prepared to throw thousands of pounds at it. Um, mm. uh, then absolutely, my my needs would change. And me saying that my Mac Mini is adequate for my needs would be you know, an irrelevant thing to say mm. because my needs would change. Yeah, there we are. But, 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 but coming off the back of that, I am looking to replace my uh, heavily pimped uh, old-style cheese grater with the same computer you've got, a Mac Mini 2018, and then going for the new uh, Avid um, chassis, which will allow me to put the Mac Mini in a 1U thing, put my one HDX card in it, um, and then I'm looking at the MTRX Studio as an interface. And there in 2U, you've got pretty much what you'd design if you if you could yes uh, and i mean i don't i for not a, i mean obviously we you know in terms of the computer and even with the chassis we i mean we don't know the price of the avid chassis yet but if you look at the equivalent chassis for that's already available from sonnet you're not look you know you are looking at um you know less than a thousand dollars for the rack mount chassis from memory mm. um so it's not it's not stupid money, uh, and I think the Mac Mini is a phenomenally uh, powerful machine. I mean, bizarrely, what it would be really nice to have a Mac Mini with the the latest processors that you can get in the MacBook Pro. You know, you've got a six core i nine. Now that mm. a Mac Mini with a six core i nine would take an awful lot of beating. Mm. I mean, anyway, something yeah, but, that occurs to me is that because of your particular setup and because you've done it properly, you have a machine room. So, um, yeah, I mean, I have a cupboard to be. I mean, calling some machine room is a little. <laughs> it's not on your desk. It's a cupboard. <laughs> it, yeah, it's not on your desk, and it's and it's got a it's got Correct. a chunky door, and the cooling yeah. sorted. So you know, um, exactly. But what I, but what I'm getting at is that uh, a concern that often comes with these with these things uh, when you start talking about chassis and things is um, inappropriate fan specifications which even yes. if it was a bit noisy it wouldn't be a, an issue in your setup in the way it might mm. be for example for me where it would be next to me so you know mm. it's uh, yeah that sounds like a really good solution so so yeah i mean in in summation um the there's no doubt that there is a place for the mac pro the new mac pro but equally there are options for people yeah there are a lot of people for whom the mac pro isn't the right answer and in many respects hasn't been the right answer since uh, since apple announced it um but hopefully with the range of articles that we've been recently producing uh also looking at various cards that you can put in the mac pro in terms of the uh getting a pcie a card that you can put SSDs on in terms of different graphics cards. And then looking at the case studies, the examples of real people doing real work uh, on macros from a different, various differing perspectives. Um, you've got lots of options. You can choose uh, a Mac Pro. But in terms of Dolby Atmos, the other thing is with the new Dolby Audio Bridge software, to hit to link into the renderer with an HDX system, I actually you actually lose the DSP processing on the HDX card because you because you create the audio engine has to be the uh, has to be the 
Dolby Audio Bridge. So again, you're losing that, but you still need the HDX system for uh, I.O. But you can, you know, it depends how much I.O. you need. And then that's that's going to be a contributing factor to the choices that you have. Uh, yeah, we've managed to talk this one quite nicely. I think it's good in time that we moved on to competitions. Um, Dante and Audio Over IP have changed the world's live sound, install sound, and big studio and post facilities. In fact, anywhere, lots of audio needs to be moved around a large site or shared with lots of users. But what about smaller studios? The easiest way to bring non-Dante equipment onto a Dante network is using Audinate's Avio inline adapters. How would you make your studio better or easier to use with Avio adapters? Enter our competition. Tell us your suggested use, and if they're like yours best, Ordinate will give you four Avio adapters of your choice and a copy of Dante Virtual Sound Card. Head over to the win page to find out more. The Pro Tools Expert Podcast is created using Source Connect Now from Source Elements. Register now for your free account at now.source-elements.com. If you've ever tried to do interviews over the internet with apps like Skype, you'll know how hit and miss the audio quality and connection can be. Even on a good day, isn't really good enough for a long-form interview. We now use Source Connect Now, which offers ISDN-equivalent quality audio using a Chrome browser. No software to install. To get your free account, follow the link in the podcast notes. Okay, so let's move on to Find of the Week, and these are sponsored by our friends at RSPE Audio Solutions. RSPE Audio carries nearly every great microphone you can think of, from budget to boutique. They have microphones from Sennheiser, Neumann, Earthworks, Shaw, Loughton, Peluso, AKG, Blue, Townsend Labs, Antelope, and many more. Not sure what might you need? RSPE's team can help. Just tell them the work you do, and they can recommend a few mics. Plus, if you're in LA, you can book a demo so you can try them out before you buy. Shop online or contact their team to find the right mic for you. Okay, Dan, what's your find of the week? Well, the new machine, uh, Windows machine, I think turns up late next week. And I had a little think about this because it doesn't include um, peripherals. It's just the machine. Um, and I have been uh, using, obviously, the Mac with that uh, uh, magic mouse for many years. That doesn't, uh, from what I read in you know, researching that, it doesn't work particularly well with Windows out of the box. You have to get some drivers and all that sort of stuff. I don't want to faff around with that <laughs> um, uh, out of the gates with a new machine. So I've bought... Uh, a Microsoft Surface Arc mouse. And the reason why I've got this is because it enables me to scroll up and down and lift and right. <laughs> right? And there's yes. not that many. I mean, no, there isn't. Me, I, if I'm wrong, I, there isn't that many other uh, mice, mice, mouses, whatever, um, yes. out there that can do what the Magic Mouse does. Yeah, I mean, I have one in my hand here. It's the Logitech M510, where the scroll wheel scrolls in a normal way, but you push it to the left and it scrolls left. You push it to the right, it scrolls right. And it's ju I'm just so used to it. When I go on somebody else's computer and I'm busily trying to push the scroll wheel, of course, it doesn't play ball. But yes, mm. you're absolutely right. There are only a handful of um, rodents, should we say, yeah. um, that do this. So, uh, it's so how does it... How does it manifest itself? Because obviously, with the with the magic mouse, you're literally just wiping your finger over the top, presumably left, right, up, it's down. It's exactly the same on this. From what, right. I, from so, what I see, it's the same thing. Um, I should be able to use it straight away. I mean, it's in a box now because I haven't plugged it in because I haven't got the machine. Yeah. But it's definitely Indeed. my find of the week because <laughs> I was worried when I was doing my research, going, "Oh crap, I haven't really got much choice here. 
What am I going to mm. go for? It's not cheap. It, it is the uh, similar price as a, a Magic Mouse. It's about sixty pounds, yeah. but worth it. You know. Yeah. I'm just so 1998. <laughs> I was I was on the phone to Russ the other day, and he heard this. Oh yeah, no. and he went, "You haven't, have you?" And so, yeah. And yeah, I've got an optical mouse with a ordinary. So, I mean, this yeah. is literally. So hold on. How, how do you go left and right across the Pro Tools? Uh, I, I just hold window. a modifier. Yeah, you use the modifiers to to change the direction of the scroll yeah. wheel. Yeah. Okay. But it's just one more thing. I, yeah. Anyway, it, that I mean, again, it's each to their own, as it were. It is absolutely. Yeah. So, Julian, what's your <laughs> find of the week? Mine. <laughs> this is this. I'd forgotten about this, and I was going through my bag. Um, unpacking stuff post Nam and I found this brochure that I picked up and I went I remember this and it's not really it's not really us so uh, I don't think there's any kind of content to make out of it but I was talking to the guy and uh, I just thought it was I just really liked it it's a well there's normally out over the A uh, so I'm guessing it's a Zale but anyway um, uh, Z-A-H-L um, A-M-1 um, this is a company who make uh, who make analogue mixers they kind of look a bit SSL-ish, really, but it's high-quality, hand-built analog mixing console, uh, which uh, is, is isn't isn't like anything. It's it's a it's a modern design, and it's just designed to be as as good as it can be, really. Which you can't really say anything bad about. It's it's all modular and hand-built and uh, built to order, and uh, and not inexpensive. Um, but the thing that got my attention about this was that it's got um, it, it it got this business going on down the right hand side. And I went, that's interesting. What is it? And what it is is uh, it's uh, it can be used as a as a uh, it can respond to CV data. Well, it's not even data. It can respond to control voltages. Mm-hmm. And uh, it can also generate them. So it's got kind of like sort of LFOs and stuff like that that you can route out to, for example, modular gear or something like that. You can also take the output from CV outputs uh, from external gear and control things like sends, for example, via CV, which I thought was fascinating. And I mean, the control voltages do have a, a place in analog mixes, obviously. I mean, like um, VCAs are controlled by control yeah. voltages. But that's as far as it went previously. Well, this is kind of breaking down the uh, the distinction between the mixing console and the instruments that create that kind of stuff. And I mean, there's something about uh, there's something about just a, a big, ruthlessly designed uh, analog mixer being used to make techno music with a bunch of Germans that just kind of really speaks to me anyway. It's just kind of like, yes, this is, <laughs> this is proper. And it really was. There were very, there were some quite serious people involved with this stuff. The chemical brothers apparently love this. And I can see why, because the, yeah. so, for years, a, a big part of their show has been playing a big analog mixer um, as, as an instrument. And that's breaking down that distinction yet more by saying, okay, and this stuff we're doing on the console can go out to our gear and control elements and control control information from our instruments can come back into the mixer and can control the mix. So, yeah, mm. fantastic stuff. Mike, how about you? What's your find of the week? Well, my, as, as I've said in the notes uh, that we, we refer to when we're recording the podcast, it's RX-7 Advanced again no really uh, yeah but like I, I, I reason yeah i do <laughs> but but it, i i was 
I was invited to present, uh, to do a presentation for the Institute of Professional Sound, which here in the UK is the nearest thing we get to a professional body. And I was asked to do a presentation to show some of the clever pro uh, clever software, tools, etc., that we can use in post now. Um, and uh, of course, RX7 played a significant part in that, as well as uh, tools from uh, Todd AO, uh, Sound Particles, um, and uh, and Sound Radix uh, with auto auto align post. Um, so uh, I I was and, and then part of this presentation, uh, I was uh, asked if I would treat some audio from examples from people who were going to send them in um, for me to try and uh, deal with, and. Um, and I did. It was very interesting. And again, it just reminded me uh, in processing and working on some of these examples, how good RX-7 Advanced is. There was one particular example um, that was a uh, the, the sound recordist for a large uh, feature film um, provided me a, a clip from the rushes from uh, a film. It was King Lear. With Sir Anthony Hopkins in the Hopkins in the uh, lead role, and it, it was a storm sequence, and so they had a humongous wind machine, um, as well as a rain machine, and this was all bucketing down both on the actors and the crew, and it was kind of well, we're only going to get one go at this, um, and so uh, the sound recorders put two different radio mics on uh, Sir Anthony. And there was a boom over the top as well. And he sent me all three files. Um, the radios suffered quite badly from literally being hit with uh, rain droplets. And also the wind, often the you could hear the diaphragm just hitting the end stop. Um, but the boom was remarkably good. And so I was very easily, and I did it live as part of the presentation, was very, very easily was able to clean up the uh, wind and the rain sounds out of the boom to get a very usable finished result. Um, and uh, the reason I mention it is that uh, the particular sound recordist, Simon Clark, was introducing me and, and closing the meeting. And he said at the end, he said, um, if only Mike had been on this job, they wouldn't have had to have ADR'd that, se that whole scene, which is apparently what happened. Um, so uh, yes, uh, so I, I, as I say, but it, uh, there were other examples that were sent through to me. There was an example where there was some, there was a radio mic, and it had a load of whooshing uh, in the middle of it. Sort of, uh, I guess the signal wasn't so good, and I was able to actually use the D Russell module to get rid of that sort of whooshing sound because it wasn't dissimilar to, uh, to, um, to, to that sort of a sound. Uh, as well as cleaning up other examples uh, from um, uh, sort of examples from uh, re repeating um, dramas, uh, soaps, uh, where it was just a lot of background noise uh, and it just that it, it just needed cleaning up. And again, things like dialogue isolate was able to handle that very very easily. So, so yeah, it was just having all these different examples thrown at me uh, just reminded me how good isotopes rx7 advanced is so yeah that's my find of the week uh but uh, yeah there we go 
So on that, I think it's time for us to stop. So it's good night from me. It's good night from me. And it's good night from me. Good night.